This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Well, news all over the place, as you just heard from Christine Lisi. Number one, uh, Yankees put Aaron Judge on the IL, so the $260 million man for the next nine years is going to sit tight for a while. Canty shakes his head. I really just said it to annoy him. Uh, And secondly, tonight, no Joel Embiid this evening. Uh, Canty, he has been ruled out, according to Woj, for game one of Celtics 76ers. And that's where we begin this hour. You know, there is, according to Woj, some optimism for game two. Having said that, I do find myself um, maybe frustrated. It's not the fair word to use in this instance, but a little bit frustrated at the fact that we continue to roll through these injury issues when it comes to Embiid in the postseason. He does play through them at times, but if if Joel Embiid is going to be the superstar player that you build a championship team around, it he actually has to be on the court, and that's what really gets you about this. No, I hear you, what you're saying, but Joel Embiid has played in 65-plus games the last two regular seasons, and he's led the league in scoring back-to-back seasons. I have a hard time pinning a lot of this on Joel Embiid. He's been healthy and reliable, by and large, for the majority of the last two years. Even when he was nicked up in the postseason last year, he still gave you what he had, even though your team came up short against the Miami Heat. That was more of a failing on Doc Rivers than it was Joel Embiid and his inability to stay healthy. And I would look at this series much in the same way. If the Sixers can't advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, I would put more of it on Doc Rivers than I would put on Joel Embiid. But the caveat or the sidebar would be James Harden. This is what the Sixers traded James Harden, traded for James Harden for last year to go on a run and potentially be the difference in the team being able to go on a deep postseason run as opposed to being bounced in the first or second round. And you got to factor into the math that Joel Embiid, because of the history, you might have to deal with him being compromised from a health standpoint. Can James Harden elevate his play in the play of those around him enough to make this team competitive tonight? That's what I'm looking for. Doc Rivers, from an X's and O's standpoint, and James Harden, And from a production standpoint, can those two step up in the absence of Joel Embiid and at least make this competitive somewhat tonight? I'm not saying that they got to pull off the win against the Boston Celtics because I think we'd all acknowledge that this is a one-sided affair with them, you know, the Sixers missing the best player or the MVP of the league. But I will say this, this needs to be a fourth-quarter game in order to set a tone. And if they can't make it a fourth-quarter game, it says – as much about Joel Embiid and his greatness as it does about the, I don't know, I don't want to call it incompetence, but, you know, the, the it becomes an indictment on Doc Rivers and James Harden. Well, look, if Harden and Embiid are out there for the majority of the series, there's no question if they lose this series, Doc's going to get the blame. And he should. He should. He absolutely should. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But if Embiid is, and this is not any kind of a knock on his game, because I don't know how you could, okay? He's unstoppable most nights. This is my problem. 
when you do all that you do, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you to sit out during the regular season because that would be hypocritical. I want to see him out there, especially if I'm a paying customer. I'm not going to say that. But is there a lesson to be learned here about the importance of the regular season from what's going on with the Warriors and the Lakers? And I know they had their injuries during the season, and that definitely played into where they are, but you know, maybe there needs to be a little bit less of an importance put on it for the Sixers when this is what you are dealing with constantly. Now, we're talking about six years in a row that the Sixers have been in the postseason, and now the deepest you have gotten is to the second round. At what point is it okay for me to look at the superstar player and say, uh, Joel, what are we doing here? Here's when when I, does that become well, well, here's why part I can't of the buy into what you're saying about the regular season as it pertains to the Sixers. The teams that you're talking about in the Western Conference have guys that have championship pedigree. I mean, if you look at the Western Conference, LeBron James, championship mm-hmm. pedigree. Steph Curry, championship pedigree. I mean, even the Phoenix Suns, I mean, Kevin Durant, championship pedigree. So, I mean, I... I, like, like, I'm not worried about those teams being the six, seven seeds. That doesn't bother me. Teams, those teams not having home court advantage in a seven game series doesn't bother me. But it does bother me for a Sixers team that, that's fighting to get to a conference finals. Them having home court advantage means everything, not for Joel Embiid and James Harden, but for the role players, for young guys like Tyrese Maxey, like Tobias Harris, like DeAnthony Melton. That matters. A Paul Reed, who's going to be forced into to heavy minutes because of Embiid's injury. Like, that matters. So I can't say, Joel Embiid, pace yourself during a regular season because you need to have as many wins banked as you possibly can, especially knowing that there are really only two teams that you're chasing in the conference in the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the Heat did you a solid, and they bounced the Bucks. So really, the Celtics are the only team – standing in your way from not only getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, but to an NBA Finals. That's what puts so much more pressure on this series, and that's why I'm looking at Doc Rivers and James Harden with a critical eye because those guys at some point have to be the difference and pick up some of the slack with Embiid out of the lineup or potentially being compromised with his health even if he's on the court. But at what point here, why are we treating uh, Jokic a certain way and we're not treating Embiid the same way? as far as the postseason uh, disappointment so far. I mean, Jokic, we look at him and the Nuggets have been nothing but a massive disappointment over the years, but we don't treat Embiid the same way. It's it's not like Jokic has gone out and played horribly in the postseason. No, but Jokic has had a deeper team most years, and Jokic is also coming off of back-to-back MVP seasons, and he's probably going to be the runner-up this year. That's why it's different. Well, but Embiid's I mean, played just as well the last well, few well, years. Well, Embiid ain't won an MVP, nonetheless back-to-back MVP. So there, there's a, there's levels to this. Like, until we get the MVP stamp on Embiid, it's a little bit different in terms of how we're grading the player. But ultimately, you have to put context into the situation and look at what's around the player. And you can't sit here and compare the two rosters because it's not close. Look at what the Denver Nuggets are bringing to the party versus what the Sixers have. For goodness sakes, the Nuggets got six guys that average in double-figure scoring this season. Well, I mean, the Sixers have five. They do. They have five. I mean, listen, we could. uh, I'm not a Tobias Harris fan. Guy's averaging twenty a game. Okay. And the post. So, so so you're telling me that the Sixers have a player like Jamal Murray? No. Okay, but that's my point. 
That's my point. You're telling me that Tobias. You're, you're telling me that Tobias. You're, you're telling me that's that's what you're telling me when you say that. That's why I say you have to factor in the supporting cast. And Joel Embiid, for for the matter of fact, is working with less than Nikola Jokic is. He just okay. Well, that's just the reality of it. But they, he also has Harden there, and so what are we? How are we treating James Harden as to what he is now? In his career. Here's my point. This ain't Houston Harden. I think we all no, know. I know that. that. This is not Houston Harden, and Tyrese Maxey is still a relatively young guy. Uh, he listen, is. I, I think that if we have one team start to go a little bit further with the Nuggets, who frankly right now look like they are trying to get this out of their system and look like they're doing a pretty good job of it, and you have another team that gets locked out in the second round again. I, I just want to know when it's fair to start asking the questions, okay? I like Joel Embiid. I think he's a great personality. I think he's a great fit for that uh, town. Uh, but at what point, because the finger has been pointed in every other direction, and in most times justifiably so, at what point can I start to look in his direction and say, when are you going to elevate some other people and be on the court enough for us to win? But, I mean, he, he he's on the court, though. I mean, how many – he played in 68 regular season games this year. He played in 66 the year before. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not understanding what you're saying. Like, I, the guy can't control that he had a, a, a fluke knee injury in, in the last round of the playoffs, even though his team swept the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that's just – that's what it is. I, I'm, I'm – I don't. I don't know what you want me to like. Mm. I can't blame Joel Embiid for not being available right now. I, I'm. I'm not going to sit here and do that. I, I, for me, I. If he I was healthy, wanted... if he was healthy and on the court, and he didn't do the job, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if he's not available, I can't blame that guy for not being available, especially when he's shown that he's turned the corner from a durability standpoint the last two regular seasons. Yeah, but the problem for me is that when it matters the most, you're not available. And it it is unfair sometimes to knock people for being injured, but we do do it with other guys who can't stay healthy and can't stay on the field in other sports. So that's where I have the biggest issue with it. But it but wasn't I, that wasn't the issue last year. The issue last year is the team didn't they didn't play well. So that I was on Doc Rivers. That, that oh, was, I in agree. the Miami Heat series, they were the more talented of the two teams, and they didn't play well. Listen. That's on the head. That's on the head coach. That's not on Joel Embiid. But yet you're using that and holding it against him in terms of Joel Embiid not being able to get to the conference finals. And this year he happens to be injured. When we start comparing it to Jokic, Jokic has been healthy and available, and he just hasn't been able to break through. They got the one conference finals in the bubble, and the Lakers made short work of them. So I mean. That's why we look at the two differently because the circumstances are not the same. The team around the player isn't the same, and quite frankly, the coaching is not the same. So, yeah, I, Listen. I, I am a little more critical of, of Nikola Jokic because of those factors, and if the Sixers were to get bounced against the Boston Celtics, the team that did represent the East in the, comp, in the NBA Finals last year, I ain't going to blame the guy that's going to win MVP tomorrow. I'm going to blame the coach. I'm going to blame the supporting cast. And you won't be wrong to blame the coach because, as I said, if they're, if he's out there for the most part, I, you and I are in lockstep on this, that it's mostly going to be Doc's fault because there will, there will be something that will happen that will cause it to be Doc's fault. 
It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Canty, speaking of Jokic, let's hear from Brian Windhorst, who was on with us earlier, ESPN NBA insider, about Jokic and if the pressure is on. He's got to have some of the most pressure of anybody in this playoff. Look, they are the number one seed. They have a deep team that is healthy. They, they were the second best team in the league this year at home. But, you know, and they would have been the best, but again, they spiked some games at the end. They essentially were the best at home. The bracket has a bunch of older guys that are, you know, battling each other. Um, it is, you know, they have, they're spending into the tax for the first time. So they have a deep team in the Jokic era. He has frankly no excuse not to get it done. This is the year for the Nuggets and Jokic. And if they don't get it done, it's going to say a lot about what their actual top threshold is. And I think that's completely fair, by the way. And it's not going to be on Michael Malone. I think all of it is completely fair. I would say this, Canty, at least so far, and granted, it's still very early. We're in the second round. They are playing like a team that has something to prove. I think that's exceptionally fair the way they have played so far. It's been relatively dominant so far from the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, they got a chip on their shoulder, and that's a good thing. That's how they should play because everybody is doubting them. They might be the most disrespected one seed that we've seen in quite some time, but they deserved it. They've earned that moniker because they, they haven't shown up when it matters the most. And and with a guy that wins back-to-back MVPs, you'd like to see him go on deeper playoff runs and get back to the conference finals. They ain't been to a conference final since Jokic started winning MVP, so it's about that time. And that's what everybody wants to see, especially in a Western Conference where it feels like the decks have been cleared from them. As you heard from Wendy, they're on the easier side of the bracket. Memphis and Sacramento, the two and the three seeds are gone. The Clippers are gone. Like I just, It's a situation where Golden State and, and L.A. are going to play each other. Somebody's going to get knocked off. So if you're Denver, the deeper team, the younger team in comparison to the Phoenix Suns, you should be able to, to handle your business given that you've got home court advantage. And you're talking about a team in Phoenix – that has played heavy minutes in their series against the Clippers, and they're going to altitude four of the seven games that would be in this series if it goes the distance. You should win this series. You should. And so that, that's the thing. There really is no excuse for the Denver Nuggets right now. There's no how are, excuse. How are we going to view the Suns if they're not getting this far? How are we going to view Durant in all of this? Because for me, if you're the Suns, at this point you've done what you've done, uh, I, I want to give them a little bit of wiggle room just based on the fact that uh, they came together as late as they did. They only played eight games together, for that matter, before the season or before the postseason started. And I don't know how realistic it is to expect all of that to work, even when we talk about Durant being one of the most, um, not versatile, but most. Uh, you know, the guy who can can be versatile in, in fitting into a system, if yeah, that makes sense. I got sense. you. I get you where know. you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. In other words, guys, it's not going to have any problem fitting in with whoever he's playing with. It's sure. going to work. How do we view them at this point if, if they're not getting out of this round? Uh, it's a disappointment because next year there's no guarantee that you're going to get a better version of Chris Paul or Kevin Durant. And at this point, with Chris Paul only having a partially guaranteed salary or partially guaranteed contract for 2023, 2024, I, I just, 
I don't know that this isn't the best chance that this Suns group is going to have of winning a title. And they, 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 they mortgaged it to the hilt in order to get this. In order to get Kevin Durant, they went all in. They're pot committed to this thing working out. And, and I get it. The new owner, Matt Ishbia, wants to take a huge swing. But there is the chance that this doesn't work out. And depth is going to be a huge factor mm. in terms of what decides this series against the Nuggets. Right now, it's looking like the Suns are going to end up on the short end of this deal. And if so, it's hard not to stamp this as a failure. Now, does it impact Kevin Durant's legacy? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does because think about the conversation we're having now about Steph Curry. Steph Curry being a top 10 player of all time. We were having that conversation about Kevin Durant a couple of years ago. I don't know that we're going to have the same – we're going to view him in the same way if we're talking about him failing in Phoenix coming off the disaster that was Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I don't see it. I mean, listen, for me, I'll give them a little bit of wiggle room this year. The Chris Paul thing, like, you're right. I don't know what you would expect beyond this year for Chris Paul. I I mean, haven't we kind of wrung that dry at this point? I I think we have. Yeah, but if you don't have Chris Paul's leadership is – ability to be a floor general and and you know some of the the shot making that he's shown when other guys are being doubled then if you don't have that then what the hell are the Phoenix Suns well can the Phoenix, should the Phoenix Suns uh realistically be able to win at that point with Durant and with Devin Booker I would argue yes I would argue they should be able to find somebody else not that it's going to be as good as Chris Paul but that I can at least rely upon to give me a really good chance to win. Okay. I, I would think so. I mean, right. doesn't Durant have to show some leadership at some point, can't he? If when he didn't show it in Brooklyn, he's never going to show it. So don't ask for something that he's, he hadn't given you in however many NBA seasons he's played. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> okay, so right now, according to Caesars, here's what we got for the odds, Okay. Yeah, the guy's been in the NBA 15 years. Don't ask me something you ain't never seen. (laughs) I asked that question somewhat rhetorically. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't – I I say this phrase all the time, and I think it's 100% true, especially when it comes to Kevin Durant. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what – Kevin Durant was never the alpha in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving was the alpha in Brooklyn. Okay. You're a wagering man on occasion. Hmm. As am I. According You're to on Caesar. the losing side a lot, though. And just to you, okay? Yeah, I would there. say that some of my wagering with you was for entertainment value. I was okay losing if it meant something good for the show. Okay. That's all. All right. And I, I'm not okay with shelling out the amount of money I'm going to be shelling out over the next couple of weeks, or mm-hmm. I already did this morning. But, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. To win the NBA title right now, Celtics the favorites at plus 140. Warriors Nuggets plus 550. Suns plus 650. Lakers plus 750. Sixers plus 1200. Ooh, I'm all over the Lakers at plus 750. Let's I knew you go. would be. I know oh, you would be. That. Oh, that is great value. I knew great, you would be. That good, great value. That's the, a lot of juice, big fella. I got to tell you, this is why I have problems with this sometimes. I, I feel like the Suns don't have a sniff. They I really do. 
They don't have a chance. And, and, the, and the, the fact it, that they're you, only at plus 650 is absurd. They got a snowball's chance in Tempe to win the championship. You hear me? <laughs> yeah. Hunt, Welcome to 130 valley. degrees in the summertime in Tempe, Arizona. They ain't got no shot at winning a championship, man. They just don't have any depth. Depth matters. You got to have guys that can come off the bench and give your stars some spell, spell your stars some minutes. They don't have that. So yeah, like, I don't, I don't trust the Suns. Plus, plus six fifty. That's fool's gold. I might, I might, I might get involved at plus five fifty on the Warriors. Not bad. I might. Not bad. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we of course will have our play of the day coming up in just a little bit. But Canty. Up next, we had our top five observations earlier from the NFL draft. You will have the bottom five NFL draft observations. I am looking forward to this. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Series 6M Channel 80. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio, we just got to look at what James Harden is wearing tonight. I mean, I don't even – how would you describe that? I sent it to you. How would you I, describe that? I, I don't know how to describe it. I, 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 it looks like somebody took a rug and they made a jacket and some pants out of the rug. It looks yeah. like it looks like a rug or maybe shad car- carpeting or something like that. Like, it looks like somebody – made a fit out of a rug or some carpet and James Harden decided he was going to rock it. Like I, 
like, I, here's what I'll say, big fella. You got to win when you pull up to the arena in that. <laughs> you got you got to get a dub. When you when you show up looking like that, and Harden was straight face. that's the part that I find hilarious to me. Because if I were to put something on like that, I would literally be making a mockery of the walk-in. Like everybody wants to do this whole fashion thing, this high fashion thing for the walk-in and it being Fashion Week in New York. Like I get it. Like you would want to make a statement. I would be making a mockery of the statement if I chose to wear something like what James Harden was wearing. Like he has, they have to win. It looks absolutely ridiculous. So those who are curious, I just tweeted it out, at Chris Carlin, at C-H-R-I-S-C-A-R-L-I-N on Twitter. You can follow Canty at ChrisCanty99. I, I guess the best way I would describe it is it's a there's baggy jeans, there's sagging, and then there's like triple baggy. Like this isn't even baggy. This is like he's wearing two giant garbage bags on his legs that are made of denim. I mean, is that a fair way to put it? I don't even know if that does it justice. It doesn't. And I, then I like a, a huge denim jacket that's got like some black leather in the mix there. Yeah. I, I I don't know how to go check it out. Please characterize what it is. He looks like Jerome from Martin, the show Martin, the original player from yes. the Himalayas. That that's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. I can't even. It's hilarious to me, and the fact that he's straight face walking in and he's not cracking up. Oh, laughing, absolutely. That's the part where that's amazing. Like, I, I can't. I can't. It, it's great. Listen, it's great. I mean, you know me. Fashion Week, my busiest time of the year, clearly. <laughs> uh, this, this wins. This wins. Yeah. I, I, whatever it is, this wins. Let's do it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. We have the top five observations from the draft earlier today, and Canty has your bottom five. Here's Canty with the bottom five. Number five. All right. I'm going to kick it off with... Something that we see at every draft, but we wish we didn't, big fella. That's players stuck in the green room, not getting drafted in the first round. And this year's victims, Will Levis, Brian Branch, and Joey Porter Jr. Now, all three would go on to hear their names called relatively early on day two. But it's still tough to stomach the disappointment of not being called on Thursday night when you're expected that you're going to be a first-rounder. I felt for those young men. Now, I will say this. Brian Branch decided that he was going to stay in Kansas City for day two Uh and was rewarded with being drafted by the Detroit Lions, who had a much better day on day two than they did on day one, by the way. But I digress. The fact that Brian Branch, his agent Nicole Lynn, and his entire family – about 20 people loaded up the bus on Friday to go back to the draft after he didn't get drafted on day on day one, and they were celebrating and clapping when they were getting on the bus excited. I mean, that just speaks to not only the character of the young man, but the character of the people that are propping him up. That was really, really great to see, big fella. Really great. I'm a big fan of Brian Branch and the Branch family. Had a chance to chop it up with some of his family members. Really good people. Keeping it moving, number four. Number four. Can anybody tell me what the hell the Detroit Lions were doing on Thursday night? (laughs) Because I still can't figure it out, and I'm four days removed from it. 
They could have traded down again. They traded down from 6 to 12. They could have traded down again, big fella, and still got Jameer Gibbs. But they took Jameer Gibbs with the 12th overall pick. I just, it felt like it was a little bit rich in terms of the draft capital that they used. Love the player. Don't love where they picked him. And then I was even more confused by picking Jack Campbell. I'm sorry, Jack Campbell at number 18? Oof. Big fella. Like, I. Uh, did anybody else have a first round grade on Jack Campbell? I know I didn't. No. Yeah, I just it was just it was such a reach. And of all the position groups in this year's draft class, you could make the argument that linebacker was the weakest. And you took a linebacker before any team took a wide receiver. Think about that. You took a linebacker before Jackson Smith and Jigba was drafted. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I wish Detroit I had Lions, an answer for that. The Detroit Lions, I, I I like what they did in day two and day three, but day one, yeah, they could miss me with all that. They could hey, miss listen, me with all that. I, yeah. I could have even lived with Jameer Gibbs at 18. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. that would have made more sense to me than than what the Lions did. Jack Campbell, I mean, Kenty, go look at how many plays he made in the backfield in college. Wasn't yeah. a lot. Not a Wasn't lot. Wasn't a lot. Not Number a three. Lot. Number three to watch the Commanders. <clears throat> uh, Big fella, can you tell me? Who the quarterbacks are for the Washington Commanders? Sam Howell's in there. Yep. Uh, Mark Rippon. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Oh, that's right. Jacoby Brissett. So it's here's never, what I'm going to say. It's never good when you're saying about who the potential starter is. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. That, that, but, but see, that's my point. That's my point. Like, I'm sitting there looking at the Washington Commanders, and I'm looking at their receiving core. Now, think about this receiving core. Curtis Samuel, good player. Terry McLaurin, outstanding player. And Jahan Dotson, first-round pick, showed a lot of promise in his rookie season. And, oh, by the way, you have Logan Thomas at your tight end spot. And you have a top-ten defense. You're going to march out there with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, and you ain't even going to think about drafting a quarterback? You didn't draft a quarterback, not one. You didn't think about it. Look, I, I, I just... I, I struggle to make that make sense. The guy, Emmanuel Forbes, we'll see what happens with him. Like, he was a little bit s- small for my taste to take where they took him, number 16 overall. But he's a ball hawk corner. I mean, he's, he's set the record for the most pick sixes in college football. But, I mean, I just felt like there was an opportunity with Will Levis and Hendon Hooker both on the board to start day two that they could have looked at taking a quarterback on day two. And the fact that they didn't, and they're going to ride with a fifth-round pick from a year ago off of a couple of starts, missed me all the way with that. All right, we got to keep it moving. I got to speed it up because Shannon is giving me that sign. Uh, number two. Number two. Michael Mayer, fine player out of Notre Dame, really good tight end. I had a first-round draft pick, first-round grade on him. Went in the second round. Didn't have a problem. I thought it was good value in the second round. But the problem I have is who took him, and that would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. Now, Raiders got a lot of holes on their team. We both admit that. But the Raiders ain't short on pass catchers. You know what they are short on? Defensive players. They they don't have anybody to play defense. And the fact that you passed up on taking Brian Branch, who I thought was an outstanding safety and nickel corner, to take a tight end, it just felt like a luxury pick. I thought it was a miss. You could have had a premium defensive player. You could have even went the direction of taking a quarterback because we know, if nothing else, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss some regular season games. 
the fact that they decided to go with a tight end, that's a little bit uh, mystifying. Yeah, would not disagree. Number one. The number one, low light. And it's not necessarily a low light for us as draft observers, but it is a low light for these incumbent quarterbacks. That would be Jared Goff and Ryan Tannehill. As one person would put it, don't trip, but don't slip. Because if you do slip up, then the team has already got your successor or your replacement in-house. That would be Hendon Hooker for Jared Goff, and that would be Will Levis for Ryan Tannehill. I don't think either one of those incumbent quarterbacks are long for that job, and we're talking about those rookies that were drafted on day two being starters sooner rather than later. There you go. There's Canty's bottom five, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Canty, what do we like to do? We like to make people money. We do it next on ESPN Radio, Series XM Channel 80. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, smart speakers everywhere. Canty, we haven't done it in a bit. Let's get the play of the night out. Let's make it happen, Captain. Time to earn some cash. The taste of money, the smell of wealth. Canty and Carlin's best play of the night. The taste of money. We're calling it a late-night special. We'll go with the late game tonight. And that involves the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets in the Mile High City. Canty, Suns getting four and a half. Suns getting four and a half. How do we feel about that? I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, the Suns have to win a game, right, in Denver? They have to. They got to do it. And and you would think based on conventional wisdom, that the earlier that happens, the better off they are, given that they their starters play such heavy minutes. So this would be the one to me. So, yeah, if you're Phoenix, this is not a must-win, but it's a can't-lose. Okay. So the Suns getting four and a half. We'll pair that up with over-unders 229. we got to go over, correct? Yes. Okay. And then rebounds. You like DeAndre Ayton over nine and a half. Why? Yes, because everybody is challenging DeAndre Ayton in that Suns organization. And DeAndre Ayton in four to six playoff games this year has double-digit rebounds. The only game that he didn't have double-digit rebounds was game one of the series against the Clippers and game one against the Denver Nuggets. So I'm thinking that that's going to take a turn for the better. DeAndre Ayton does get 10-plus boards tonight. So our little same-game parlay, Suns plus four and a half, over 229 total, DeAndre Ayton over 9.5 rebounds, plus 470 on Caesar Sportsbook, plus 470. I like it. I like it. A little bit of juice, a little bit of lunch money. Let's roll. Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Dear God, Canty, the Boston Bruins are an embarrassment. (laughs) 65 wins during the regular season. Up three games to one against the Florida Panthers, and they blew it. You blew it. Oh, my God, and they lose in overtime. That was absolutely crushing. Last night for the city of Boston, not only that, Canty, mm. Skittles, 
the popular candy, which I think we can all agree, fantastic. Yes? yes? Yeah. Delightful. Love Skittles. Delightful. Uh, they tweeted out, we may have had a rough weekend, but at least we didn't blow a 3-1 lead. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. That's tough. That They're throwing tough. Skittles into Boston Harbor. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you which one is worse. Mm. The Boston Bruins losing in this series to the Panthers up 3-1 after a record-setting regular season, or what we saw from the Warriors when they went 73-9 and and were up 3-1 against the Cavs and lost that series to LeBron. Oh, this is much worse. This is worse. This is worse. Okay. Tell At me least why. that's in the finals. This is first round. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Canty Bryce Harper has been cleared to play. It was thought that he was not going to be able to play until July, but it is expected he will be in the lineup for the Phillies tomorrow night after having Tommy John surgery. I mean, if you're the Phillies, you feel good about giving this kind of guy a long-term contract, right? I yeah. mean, with that kind of injury, you could milk it. There's every excuse to, but the guy is fighting to get back as soon as possible. You and love dude, to see it. Dude's a gamer. You love really to see is. it. I mean, you, you wonder, is the guy made out of adamantium? Is he Wolverine? What is he? <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible that he's coming back from a UCL tear and Tommy John surgery this quickly. That's usually a year to a year and a half, and this guy's coming back in less than that. And speaking of which, Aaron Judge headed to the I.L. with a, with a uh, hip strain. You, How you doing? You couldn't wait to say that, right? You, you misery loves company. I know what this is. Jacob DeGrom for your Texas Rangers has been banged up. He's dealing with an injury. So you're happy that our star player for the New York Yankees in Aaron Judge, the newly minted Aaron Judge, is dealing with something. I never want to see anybody get hurt. I really don't. I, the Jacob but you DeGrom do want to see me miserable. Well, yeah, that's that's always good. But, again, good for the show. Jacob DeGrom, that's going to make me miserable, you know, because that's a disaster. Oh, if only we could have seen it coming. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.